preach and then everything kind of dovetails together, the, the worship, the words that are brought, and it's just is such a sense of that God is speaking and confirming what he wants to bring today. And um, I... What I've prepared to preach on is to, is to carry on something what, what Ant started um, a while ago in terms of prayer, because I think prayer is such a wonderful part of our Christian lives, and I think it's something that God wants us to go more and more deeply into. So in some ways, what I'm preaching today is almost quite ABC, and you might think, I've heard that before, but I realized in my walk there's times where I have to just revisit those basics again and again to remind myself of this wonderful thing called prayer that is available to us as Christians. And um, it is very interesting because I, I mostly prepared this message over the weekend and on Monday. And then I had a terrible week where I felt like I couldn't pray. I thought, what's happening? I'm preaching on prayer. And I found prayer the hardest thing this week. And uh, I was thinking again of um, what, what Tim preached last week about the parable of the sower and how some seed falls on good soil and it yields a harvest. But then sometimes the one picture that Jesus gives is where seed falls amongst the weeds and it's the cares and worries of this world that choke the word that God has put in our hearts. And I think I went through a bit of that this week. I was allowing anxieties and things to choke the wonderful things that God had spoken in my heart as I was preparing. And so I almost felt... Um, sometimes you go through those things because God is saying maybe that's what people are also going through, how God has sown life and truth to us, but the devil comes and the fears and the anxieties of our life just choke the wonderful thing that is trying to birth in our hearts. And um, so I just felt this morning, and I know God has done a lot of ministry already through the worship time, um, but I just felt before I start to preach... I felt that God wants to minister by his spirit to set us free from the weeds that choke the word. Um, before I minister the word, I, I just feel the ministry of the spirit is first to come and set us free from those weeds. And um, I hope you don't, don't feel uncomfortable with this, but I've just, um, as I was praying this morning, I felt God give me a few of the weeds as I was praying prophetically. I sent some weeds that he's wanting just to set people free from this morning so that you can really receive his word. So I'm going to just ask you, I know we've had an amazing time of prayer and worship and ministry, but why don't you just close your eyes right where you are. Don't worry about the person next to you or in front of you or the noises around you. Just quieten your heart. And I want you just to imagine the Lord as the gardener. And he is walking in amongst us. And he's coming and he's laying his hand upon your head. He's putting his arm around your shoulders. And he's coming this morning because he wants to lift out of your heart those things that have come to choke and to stifle his life within you. I just felt that there's some people here who are so tired, so weary, that it's just choking the life out of you. And the Lord is coming this morning to take that weariness off you. There's some here who are feeling disappointed. 
Let the Lord take that weed of disappointment off your heart. The Lord showed me there's some here that are feeling very, very frustrated. You're frustrated by so many things that are not working. He's coming to untwine that weed that has wrapped itself around your heart and let him, let him have control of the things that frustrate you. And I felt that there's some, the Lord showed me there's some here who you've messed up this week. You've sinned, you've failed in what you hoped that you would live and do. And feel that it's disqualifying you from what God has for you. Come and receive his forgiveness. Let that weed be taken from your heart. And then I felt this last one, I felt there's some here that the burden of financial strain is just wearing down on you. The pressures of of your resources and your provision. And the Lord is saying, let me take that burden. Thank you, Lord. Father, I just want to pray there may be other things that I I have not seen, but you know, Lord, what is on each person's heart. And I want to pray this morning that you, as the master gardener, would just remove those thorns, remove those weeds by your spirit, so that as I preach your word, as your word goes forth, it would find fertile soil, Lord, that would lead to a harvest of righteousness and peace and joy in our lives. And I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. You can open your eyes if you want to. If you want to keep them closed, that's fine. (laughs) But uh, it's just amazing when you look at Jesus' life, um, how much of his teaching and what he gave himself to was about prayer. And I always find that interesting that Jesus prayed when he was the Son of God, and you would think, surely he didn't need to pray. But even Jesus saw um, that... prayer was almost the the breath that he breathed, the living force in his ministry. Whatever he did was preceded by prayer. And I always think, well, if he needed to pray, then I know I need to pray as well, because um, he was God himself. He knew the importance of prayer. And maybe Jesus valued prayer because he really understood what prayer was all about. Um, I was reading about um, the situation where there was this conference many, many years ago in the States, and there was this um, Japanese guest speaker who came. I think his name was Kagawa, if you're Japanese and that's not pronounced properly, then let me know. But um, he basically was teaching on prayer, and he said to this whole conference of church leaders, um, he said, your greatest lack is that you do not know how to pray. And everyone's feathers were rustled, ruffled and they were all very offended that this man should come and tell them that they don't know how to pray. But after they listened to him and they listened to his teaching, they soon began to agree they knew how to say prayers, but they really found it hard to know how 
to actually pray and enter into that place of prayer. And I was thinking, I sometimes find that a journey in my life where I find breakthrough and then I find it really, really hard. Prayer can be have times of great joy and then times where I just feel like I'm hitting a wall. And I don't know if you have that too. But prayer is something that of a journey that God wants to take us on individually and also as a church where we can come to know not just how to say prayers, but come into this wonderful communion with our God. One of the things I really loved with um, when the guys were in Cambodia, it was I was thinking when Ant uh, sent his last message, he said, well, we're going into the remotest villages. He said, I don't know how long, we, I probably won't be able to, to call you or Skype you or text you for a few days. So I thought, oh, okay. And then a few a day later, I got a text saying, oh, we've just arrived in this little village. And I thought, even in the most remotest places, we can still have communication and contact. And I think technology is really, really amazing. And uh, just like we've got that power, that communication here on earth with technology, we have this amazing power line of communication with our Heavenly Father, where we're able to access, the, like um, Quibus was sharing this morning, the most amazing spiritual resources that just come by believing and praying with fervent belief. God is able to give us His power and His blessing in the most amazing way. So I know we can be good at technology, but I think God's inviting us on a journey to become good in communicating with him and in enjoying being with him. And one of the things that and preached on a few weeks ago was he said one of the things that stops us coming into that place of prayer is we can have an inner turmoil and restlessness within us. That place of learning to be silent, not just where there's no external noise, but where we can actually quieten our inner spirits that's a very wonderful place to learn to get to. And I think that's the journey of prayer, how we can learn to quieten all the turmoil and the wrestling and the fears and the anxieties that go on inside us. So I want to just share around a few little things. I've called them sort of attitudes of prayer. And I know they're very simple, but I hope they'll be encouraging to you and you'll be able to take them away and uh, consider them this week. And the first thing I want to say is that when we come to prayer, we come to our Heavenly Father when we pray. When we read um, David's Psalms, he always writes these Psalms because they really are his prayers, aren't they? And he writes them with such passion and he's deeply honest. It's almost like one of those journals that you write all your, you bear your heart in your journal and then a thousand years later someone finds it and publishes it for everyone to read. I think that's a bit like the Psalms. You've just been deeply honest. You're not writing for any other audience than to bear your heart to God. And um, we, we really get the sense when David was writing these Psalms and when he was praying, he wasn't just going through the motions, but there was something deep that he was connecting heart to heart with God, spirit to spirit. And I love it in Psalm 27, verse 7, it says, he, he writes, Hear my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face, and your face I will seek, O Lord. And see, when you read that, you realize David was deeply troubled, and um, he was anxious when he was praying this prayer. 
there was something more important to him than having his prayers answered and having his needs met. And that was that he longed to see God's face, um, to know the comfort and the joy and the reassurance of his father's presence with him. For David, the intimacy of God's presence was almost the highest goal of prayer, even above having his needs and his anxieties met. And um, when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, we know in that well-known passage, he says, we all know the Lord's Prayer. He teaches them to pray, our Father who is in heaven. And uh, because Jesus wanted to allow his disciples to understand this wonderful truth, that it's not just about having our needs met, it's not just about having our prayers met, but it's actually that as we pray, we are connecting with our Heavenly Father. How many of you um, are parents, but how many of you can think to your parents when you were a child how your, you, you asked your mom or dad for anything and that maybe they, most often they try to give you what you needed. Sometimes they would say, no, you can't get that now, you can't. But we looked to our parents as our source of fulfilling all our needs, didn't we? If you needed something, I see some head shaking. But we look to our parents to actually be the ones that fulfilled all our needs. But then there comes a time where that relationship changes and your relationship with your parents becomes more of a friendship and a relationship where you can enjoy speaking and journeying and um, getting to know them in a different way. And that's a bit like prayer. Sometimes we start out calling to our Father for all our needs. But Jesus wanted to take his disciples to a deeper level where it wasn't just about having our needs met, but it was about getting to know the Father who is able to provide all our needs. And uh, I love, um, Nick, if you can put up... Is Nick up there? It, it looks like it's gone all dark up there. Okay, don't worry if he's not up there. But um, if you want to turn in your Bibles to Matthew 7, verse 7 to 11, this very well-known passage, it says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you... If your son asks for bread, will give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And I, I think it was the melody of Jesus' generation that people doubted that God would be good and loving towards them. And I think it's the same doubt that plagues believers today. We, we find it hard to approach God in prayer because we doubt that he is loving and gracious and that he's the father who wants to sustain and refresh us and enjoy the presence of his company. But um, Jesus wants us to understand the kind of father that we are coming to. Before he talks about God as father, he, he prefaces it with these things, ask and seek and knock. So there's some actions that we have to do when we come to God in prayer. We ask God for our needs, we seek his wisdom for our situation, 
and we knock on the door, say, Lord, I want to come into your presence. Those are the three things Jesus is teaching us about prayer. There's a place of asking, there's a place of seeking God's wisdom, and there's a place of coming and being in his presence. But isn't it wonderful that Jesus follows those actions that we do in prayer with an immediate response that mirrors it? So when we ask, what happens? We receive. When... (laughs) <laughs> it's Colin's contribution. <laughs> Technology. Yeah. When, we, when we seek God's wisdom, we find it. It says in James, it says, if you lack wisdom, ask, and he will give you the wisdom you need. I don't know about you, I'm always asking for wisdom. I've got a terrible memory, so I'm always uh, saying, oh God, where did I put that thing that I left behind? Or... Uh, I mean, that's a very simple, that's not very profound wisdom. But there's sometimes there's wisdom where you're actually in a situation, you think, I don't know what to say to my friend right now. They're really struggling. God, give me the words. Or it might be something you're doing at work and you just don't know how to approach it. There's nothing that is too big or too little for God to give us wisdom on. But he says, and then he says, when you knock, the door will be opened and you can go in and be in his presence. And um, I think why Jesus was saying those little things and saying that they answered in that exact way is because he said he was trying to teach us when we come to our Father, we must come with an attitude of expectation. He's not a dad that's going to turn us away and say, I'm too busy right now, boy. I'm too busy right now, my girl. He longs to bless us with his goodness and his heavenly wisdom. And Jesus was trying to teach his disciples that our highest goal of prayer is that we can enjoy and get to know our Father and see that he's a Father who is a good Father who wants to bless us as we call out to him, as we cry out to him. I like um, also in James, there's this uh, passage at the end of of the chapter of James where it says, uh, James says, um, is any of you suffering? Well, pray. Is any of you happy? Well, give thanks and rejoice. Sing songs. Is any of you sick? Well, call on the elders to lay hands on you that you can get well. And um, it's a little technique that I think a lot of the writers in the New Testament uses. He goes from this extreme. Are you full of sorrow? Are you sick? Are you happy? Call out to God in those extremes and everything in between. He's saying there's nothing too big and there's nothing too small that you cannot call to God on. And sometimes we feel like, well, God's too big and too important to deal with the small things and the details of my life. There is nothing too insignificant. There is nothing too big for God. And all what Jesus is trying to say, think of yourself as a mom and dad. When your kids come to you, if you're a parent, is anything too much trouble for you? You will do whatever it takes to help your child, to to get them set strong and to do whatever it needs. And if you haven't had children yet, think of your own parents and what they've done for you. As a parent, you will... it's nothing is too difficult or nothing is too much of a sacrifice. How much more does God not feel like that towards us? So that's the first thing I just want to say. We come to a God who loves us. Let's ask, let's seek, let's pray, 
a knock on that door and come with expectation because he's a good God who wants to, to respond to our prayers. Um, and the second thing I want to say about prayer is that we all come to our Christian journeys with, I suppose, um, like you come to school, you have different degrees of knowledge. Maybe you can read, but you learn greater things. And prayer is a journey of learning. We can learn how to pray. In our house at home, it's always filled with music. There's either Matt on the drums in the basement bashing away, so I can never cook simply. I'm always doing this when I'm cooking because you can't, when there's a beat going underneath your feet, you've got to dance to it. And then we've got the piano tinkling away or them playing on their guitars. But one of the things I love is when Matt and Jess learn a new guitar piece. And um, it's always when they start, it's ding, ding, and all the wrong keys and all the wrong things are played. And you hear them struggling and struggling. And then after a few days and weeks, suddenly there's this beautiful piece that they're playing. And it sounds so amazing. And I think prayer is a bit like that. It's, um, it's a skill or it's an art that we can learn. And the more we exercise the skill, it will become more and more easy and become like a beautiful piece of music in our lives. That's what prayer is like. And so Jesus told a parable to encourage his disciples not to give up praying when they didn't see the results straight away. And that's Luke 18, verse 1 to 7. And um, it goes like this. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. And he said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice from my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me or bugging me, I will see that she gets justice so she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? Sometimes God does cause delays in our prayers being answered. And I think that's because he's strengthening our prayer muscles. Because if we just prayed and it was like pushing a button, we go, pray, oh, there you are, drop out the sky. Life doesn't work like that. God sometimes lets us trust him and learn to have faith. And as, we, as we're persevering and we're praying and praying and praying, there's something in us that's changing. Because God's not so interested in us just getting our needs met. He's interested in the character and the perseverance that's forming in us as we wait on him, as we trust him for what he's going to do. As James says, the stamina of perseverance leads to hope and character in our lives. And it may not be an unfair thing to say that all of our walk in our lives and our walk with God is a bit like the greatest of all plays, which is our journey to knowing God as our good father and us becoming like his son, Jesus. And we think this is the main thing. But actually, the real thing is what is happening on the inside here. It's about this relationship that's forming through all that we go through.
And remember in this little story that I read in verse 7, um, Jesus says, And God will not bring about ju- will not God not bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? So Jesus tells a story about an ungodly judge who answers a woman's cries for justice, a man who didn't care about God, didn't really care about people. It was just annoying him, so that's why he answered her prayers. And Jesus was saying, if that kind of person, that kind of self-centered, unkind person, responds to a person's request for help, how much more will your Father who loves you, who chose you, who just adores you, who is your dad, how much more will he respond when you cry out for help? If, a, if an annoying old judge responds, how much more will your loving father who delights in you respond when you call for, for help? Once again, Jesus is saying we are to come to the place of prayer to our father who is good and to come with expectant hearts. And, you know, we all have things in our lives that we can be crying out for. And there's been many times in my life where I've had to felt, sometimes felt desperate to see God answer and break open in my life. Um, there's times when, it, with Ant leading this church and leading a growing church, you're calling out to God in desperation for his wisdom. And there's times when we've had to journey with um, Matt's illness and just sitting in prayer and saying, God, we're trusting for your breakthrough. We know you're going to heal him. We know you're going to do good things in his life. You've got good things in store for him. And there's been times when we felt tired and lacking grace in our marriage, and then we like, with each other. But no, none of you go through that, I'm sure. And you, and you just have to pray for God to give you grace in your marriage. And um, there's times when I've had to pray for God to help me overcome my fears and my insecurities to do the things he wants me to do, to be courageous. And, and then I think most often there's the prayers for people in this church who are going through difficult things and carrying those in your heart and trusting God for breakthrough. You see, I believe that the way that God teaches us to pray is that he brings us into situations where our only resource is calling out to God in prayer. I don't know if you've been in one of those situations. Sometimes all I go is, help, help. (laughs) It's the only prayer you can pray is, help, Lord. I need you right now. I have this memory of when I was a, a child learning to swim. And I remember my very first swimming lesson. It was quite unusual. We had to lay our towels down by the side of the pool. Um, this being in South Africa would have been an outdoor pool. So we had to lay our, our towels down on the grass. And then we had to lie down on our towels and practice the strokes on the ground. So we had to practice breaststroke and kicking on our backs, which all seemed very strange. But it was so that once we got into the water, we'd know exactly what to do with our bodies. And um, I think it's a bit... Um, I suppose we can all learn about prayer through sermons and through reading books, but that's a bit like practicing the stroke on dry ground. But the best way to learn how to pray is when we are swimming out of our depth, and then everything that we've learned begins to kick in because we just have to learn how to pray. 
So we can really give thanks to God for every struggle that we may, may face because in the light of God's kingdom, it's simply the way that God brings us face to face with him, with our heavenly father, and we learn how to call out in prayer, knowing that his timing in answering our prayers is always perfect because of the process he's doing in our lives as we wait for the answer to that prayer. His process is so important. That's what I've realized. So struggles bring us to our knees so that we can see God at work in his power. That's what Quibus was brought, that wonderful passage from Ephesians. The amazing power that is available to us, the same power that raised Christ from the dead, that's the expectation that we come to God with prayer. We, come, we say, God, I know you've got all this power available to come and respond to my situation. So I'm coming with expectation. I'm coming with faith as I pray. And then prayer is also about aligning our hearts with God's heart. We can often shy away from prayer because it can be a wrestling place, a place where we wrestle in our hearts with the things that maybe God is saying, that's not such a nice thing that doesn't reflect my heart. And uh, I want to read James 4 verse 1 to 6 because James understood this inner struggle that we all face. And he, he wrote this. He says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you don't have, so you kill. Maybe not literally. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. How many of you have seen that in families? Most fights in families are because someone didn't get their way, isn't it? You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, then you don't receive because you ask him with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us, but he gives us more grace. That is why the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. See, all of us will go through times when we will wrestle with God in an area of our lives. I'm pretty much sure if I asked people to put up their hands right now and I said, and ask them, is there an area where you're wrestling right now with God? I'm pretty much sure everyone will put up their hands. There's something that God is churning and changing in us. And it may not be um, that we are not getting our breakthrough and our answer is because God is saying that there's some things in our lives where it says, um, we, it says you've got friendship with the world. And what does that mean? Well, I think it's when we start to put our trust in things that are other than God, when we start pursuing goals and passions that are not the things that God has for us. And maybe it can be even when we start to rely on ourselves and trust in our own resources instead of trusting what God has for us and trusting his breakthrough. And... Uh, 
Paul, James is saying that when we think like the world does, that actually what we are effectively doing is we are treating God like our enemy. He is our father, but we're not treating him like our dad. We're treating him like an enemy to us because we're not valuing the things that he values. So selfishness, ambition, pride, and self-sufficiency, all of these things alienate us from our God who's our father. And the wrestle of prayer is letting go of those things of what we want and learning to submit ourselves to God's greater wisdom and his goodwill for our lives. And James says that this is a fight that God is not going to give in on because he is jealous for our heart's affections and the oneness that we have with him because of his Holy Spirit. And But at the same time, while we're having this inner battle, it says he gives us more grace. Isn't that amazing? We, we come to pray obstinate and we're ready to fight and wrestle God and say, I'm not budging on this. I'm not letting you change this thing in me. And all he says is, okay, he has more grace to help you change, to help you see that my will is good for you and what I have for you is going to encourage you and build you up. And the most wonderful key of this passage is in verse 6 where it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, favor to the humble. I suppose if we want to see God's favor and grace flowing through our lives, it happens when we stop fighting in ourselves, fighting with others, and fighting with God, and we learn to trust him. I suppose to be proud is to say, I'm getting my way as my highest goal in my life. I need to get my way. Whereas humility says, I'm okay, God, if this doesn't go my way, because I want you to be in control rather than me. And God says, then I release favor in that situation. So our wrestling and our agonizing in prayer is also God's way of helping us to become like his son. Jesus had to wrestle when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, didn't he? He had the cross before him. Who, who in their right mind would want to go through that act of torture, being tortured like that, willingly go through that? There's things that sometimes we have to face in life where we're just going, eh, I don't want to go that way. I, there's, uh, I suppose in all of us there's selfishness. I don't want to lay down what I want. But there's things that God is saying, I'm going to take you on this journey because I'm making you like my son. He had to face that as well. And actually he won that wrestle and he submitted his, God, his life to, to me. And look what happened. He went through that difficult thing, but God raised him to glory. So even though we might shy away from prayer because it's a wrestling place, the ultimate result of it is peace and joy and life in our, in our hearts. And I just want to finish with this last little one. Uh, I'm not sure if I've, how long I've been going. Okay, this last little. But in that, I know this is something you also do know well, but that prayer is a two-way conversation. Now, last Sunday, and it also happened this Sunday, I met where we were driving to church, <laughs> and we were having a conversation in the car. Well, I think last Sunday we were talking about I was talking about the, the, the UK government's response to the EU and, and how all the immigration laws and all of those different things, and we were having this discussion. And um, 
after about 10 minutes, Matt, Matt's usually very engaging on topics like this. After 10 minutes, Matthew asked me to stop talking. And he said that I've been delivering a monologue of my opinions for the last 10 minutes. And I said, well, you could have interrupted me at any point and brought your opinion on the subject. But uh, I had to concede that I was ranting a bit and giving my own opinions. And I suppose sometimes prayer can be like that. We can just rant at God and go on and on and on. And he wants to butt in and say, oh, 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 but we just go. So I suppose that's the thing about prayer is that we create some space in our prayer where we can actually just hear God speak to us. Um, so I've just got a few little things that helps me to hear God's word and God speaking to me. Maybe these things work for you, and God will sh- sh- show you as you learn to walk with him, and maybe you can encourage each other what, how you hear God. But this is, um, I, f- I find it really hard to pray with my Bible closed. I always need my Bible open when I pray because as you read God's word, well, that's the most obvious place that he speaks to us, isn't it? And as you meditate on what his word is saying, he starts to encourage you and, you, and it's not just a word that's there general. It becomes so personal and so specific. So what I love doing is I love just taking one little verse, two verses a day, and I just reflect on that verse and I meditate on it and I dig out of it everything that I want God to say. And then as the day goes on, as I'm talking to him, that verse comes back to memory and I'm able to reflect on what he's saying to me. So his word is a wonderful way of listening to what he's part of the conversation is and then I don't know if you've noticed this but sometimes when you're praying it's almost like the Holy Spirit guides your words Um, I see this often in the Psalms when David wrote the Psalms he starts out for example in Psalm 64 he says hear my voice O God in my meditation preserve my life from fear of the enemy he's coming again with one of those heart-wrenching cries to God and then as you read the psalm, eventually in verse 10, it changes and he says, the, the righteous shall be glad in the Lord and trust in him, and all the upright in heart shall glory. So by the end of the psalm, he says, oh, why am I afraid? Because I can trust in you, you're faithful. And I don't know about you, you can start praying like, God, this is so terrible, I don't know how it's going to go. And then eventually you start saying, but I know you're faithful and you're good and you're true and I'm not going to worry because you're in control. That's how the Holy Spirit sometimes speaks to us. Through our very words of our prayer, he leads us to the conclusion of what he's trying to say to us. And that can be true when you're writing your prayers or journaling as well. God begins to, as you're writing, there's a process that happens and he begins to speak what his Spirit is saying. And then one of the most wonderful ways that I I feel God um, encourages me and where I hear his voice is through praying in tongues. Now, I know maybe we need to do some more teaching. I know the foundation course uh, are going to look at being baptized in the Spirit. And if you want to learn more about that, then please go along to that. But it's such a wonderful gift. Sometimes we don't know what to pray and we don't really know what God's saying. But as we pray in the spirit with the heavenly language that God gives us, there's this wonderful sense that God begins to speak to us by his spirit. It's not with your rational mind. So it's not something you understand rationally. This is something by your spirit, God begins to speak to you. Sometimes when 
I'm praying in tongues, God will bring to mind a person or a scripture or something that reminds me of what he's wanting to say. And then sometimes, I suppose the most familiar way that God speaks to me that I've felt very encouraging is that still small voice, that little um, and says, you know in your knower. It's a little voice. You know that's God's voice. And as you are a Christian over the years, you begin to know that is God speaking. I know his voice. And I know the difference between God's voice and the devil's voice because God always draws. He's always gentle. He's always kind. Sometimes he's firm, but it's never, ever condemning. The devil's voice is always driving. He, he makes you panic and frantic and, and condemned and feel bad about yourself. Well, that's how you know that's not God speaking. And uh, so learning that still small voice of the Holy Spirit and just saying, yes, God, I'm hearing you right now and I'm trusting this is what you're saying. And sometimes I find the best place I hear his voice is by going for walks. So in the park, because I love nature God often speaks to me through nature. I find if you go to a shopping mall, it's very distracting to try and pray in a shopping mall. <laughs> yeah, that's a nice dress. <laughs> but when, you, uh, when you're out in, in creation, there's this wonderful sense of God just through, through the wonderful things that he's made. He can speak to you about the seasons of your life through the changing seasons. He could speak to you about um, through the ducks, I don't know. What could he say through the ducks? You ask him and he'll speak to you. So the little ducks on the pond. I mean, don't have to be weird about it, but God can speak to you as you ask him to. He can reveal himself to you. So I just want to end with this last little scripture that Jesus said. He said, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Those were some of the last words that he spoke to his disciples before he was crucified. And that's what his heart's cries for us today. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. And as we go out this week, can you remember these four little things? When you pray, come to your loving Father. He's waiting to be with you. He's a good dad. He wants to bless you. Commit yourself to learning how to pray. We can all go on this journey together as a church. In our personal lives and corporately, we want to commit ourselves to a journey of learning to speak with our Father. And then cultivate a heart that is submissive and humble, not always insisting on our own way, but saying, God, I want to submit my heart to you, to your will. And then fourthly, Let's have a conversation with God where we hear his heart and we are, can be real and honest about what's on our heart and still at the same time hear his heart.